0: Hi there, it's Yonder. Hi, everyone. I'm Jeff Robbins. We're back with another episode of Yonder. A podcast on which we talk about remote work, distributed companies, virtual teams, telecommuting cultures. And one day, we'll just have one all-encompassing word to talk about all of this. Um, We took a little bit of a break there, uh, but we're back. We're gearing up to do all kinds of new stuff with, with Yonder. The podcast is going to be appearing with more regularity. Uh, we've got some whole bunch of stuff planned on on social media um, articles on the website. Um, so if you're not subscribed to our mailing list, uh, please go to yonder.io and and do that there. All kinds of good stuff will be coming out through the mailing list, and uh, you can follow us on social media, Twitter, yonder underscore io, and um, the Yonder page on Facebook. This week, we're talking to Laura Owen, who is head of workplace at GitHub. Um, That puts her in a really interesting position. Uh, GitHub has over 600 employees in a hybrid environment. Um, They think of themselves as distributed first, uh, but they also have several offices spread out across the world, but most of their people are working from home or, or wherever, as is often the case on this podcast. Um, and Lara is kind of tasked with making it work for all of them. Uh, and uh, it's a really interesting conversation So just to reiterate, lots more coming from yonder over the coming months. Please visit our page, subscribe to the podcast, subscribe to the mailing list, uh, and we will let you know about all the great stuff um, that we've got coming up. All right, let's get to our interview. Hi, Laura. Welcome to the Yonder Podcast. Hi. Hi. So tell us uh, tell us what your title and role is over there at GitHub.
1: Um, well, I am the head of workplace over here at GitHub. Uh, we are a tiny company of six hundred people uh, in seventeen countries and uh, thirty four <laughs> states. Um, and my job as head of workplace is to herd cats. Essentially, um, <laughs> we believe any any place we have an employee, uh, a laptop and a connection to the internet is where we have an office or a workplace, as we call it. Wow. Um, so, 60% of our employees work uh, distributed throughout the globe. Um, and my job is to help uh, all of us connect um, and to feel like we're a productive, uh, cohesive team. So, it was pretty exciting for me.
0: Yeah. That's, a, that's quite a big undertaking. Um, for people that don't know, uh, mm-hmm. what does GitHub do?
1: Well, Git is an open-source version control system, so GitHub is a hub for that Git, or um, <laughs> a better explanation of it's that. Right uh, <laughs> it's right there in the name. It's right there in the name. We're a repository hosting platform, and our, our goal is to bring people together to collaborate on code, to share ideas, and to problem solve. Um, we have Several million <laughs> users. I think that's an understatement. Um, uh, and I think more than 52 million, like, repositories and projects on on our site. So it's pretty exciting. We do, we do a lot of work with government agencies like NASA, um, of course, enterprise clients, and even small teams and individuals. So um, anywhere there's somebody writing code. GitHub is, is generally involved.
0: Yes, at Lullabot, we have used a lot of GitHub over the years, uh, both for ourselves and with with clients. Yeah, it's a code hosting platform and code, code collaboration platform, um, and you know, it's also, as as a hub, um, and and as a collaborative platform, is a place that a lot of people who are distributed from one another collaborate, particularly on code. Um, so it makes sense that you would have that as part of your, your culture there at the company as well.
1: Yeah, and that's always been a big um, hiring initiative for us um, since the very beginning is to work like our um, our user base works which is to be distributed so um, we've pretty uh, much always been 70 60 percent in that range uh, distributed
0: it's an empathy process I love it exactly yeah so uh, where are you talking to us from
1: uh, I am currently in our San Francisco office um, on the third floor in a small conference room Um We have 55,000 square feet and about 250 employees in this office. This is by far our largest um, office here, Um, but not our only one. We have offices in Tokyo, Boulder, and Amsterdam as well. Wow.
0: So talk to me about this. Um, So... How, how do you bridge that? Uh, uh, we've we've had a, a fair amount of companies on um, the podcast talking about being a fully distributed company and not having an office at all. But you have sort of a hybrid. Can you kind of generally explain how that works?
1: Yeah. So um, I think for remote work, or as we call it, distributed work, uh, to be effective, um, you have to start from the beginning, or at least we did. As I mentioned before, we've always been a distributed company. Uh, you also have to have leadership buy-in. Your leadership really has to believe that. Um, In what you're doing in the remote culture, you can't just have a company that allows for remote workers, which Mm -hmm. we often see people work from home, or don't have to come into the office every day or you have one member of a larger team or even a smaller team that doesn't work in the office. Um, But we really believe it should be the majority uh, of our employees uh, that work remotely. Another practice we like to use um, or like to think about is that all teams are distributed teams. Um, even if, say, our finance team uh, is predominantly in San Francisco, they're interacting with teams like our support team, which they have four people in San Francisco and they're a huge team in 24 time zones. Um, because those two teams are interacting, they're both, they become a distributed team together. Um, so when we when we think about, you know, new policies, new procedures, um, communication is a big one, we think in terms of how can we make the biggest impact for everybody across the globe. Um, And there's definitely challenges associated with that. um, But when you're committed to it, um, when you're focused on it, it becomes a lot easier.
0: Yeah, talk to me about this, uh, this idea of sort of like, how, how do you see that difference? Like, where can things go wrong for those companies that, I'm making air quotes here, allow <laughs> for remote employees?
1: Um, when it becomes the exception and not the rule, yeah. uh, you tend to make policies. Uh, something I've learned is oftentimes we, we design for the average. Um, And I always try to avoid that because Mm -hmm. when you design for the average, you miss a lot of people. Um, So when you allow, in air quotes, for remote workers, you're designing generally for people who work in in an office or even in a co-working location um, where you're co-located, where where there can be a lot of collisions, um, as we call them, or a lot of synchronous communication. Right. When you think about your remote workers as the majority, um, or uh, yeah, as the majority, then um, you start designing for for everyone. Um, So it means you focus a lot more on asynchronous communication. Um, How do I contact someone who's not in the room with me? Um, Every room in our uh, every conference room we have uh, in San Francisco has a TV in it, has a V setup. Um, we use Zoom, we use Slack, we use so many different types of communication that allows uh, us to interact. We also put a lot of things in writing. Um, I often hear if it hasn't been written down, the decision hasn't officially been made. Um, and I think that's pretty true, right? If we, if, someone in Australia or in the Netherlands can't access a bit of information that I can get in San Francisco, it's not official. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of uh, those types of um, um, communication that we do um, and a lot of the ways we think about um, our employees as a whole. Um, So, yeah.
0: Yeah, um that's really interesting that that you know on this podcast we've oftentimes talked about sort of the philosophical difference between remote uh, mm-hmm. And distributed that remote is this idea of being removed from, <laughs> if you'll excuse me, a hub somewhere, uh, yep. you know, a, a central uh, mothership of an office uh, and distributed is 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 the philosophy of everybody being spread out. And mm-hmm. so it's really interesting that although you have these hubs, not only just in the name of your company, but in the form of offices, that if you can sort of philosophically break out of that um that you're and 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 look at the uh for lack of a better term the remote workers the distributed people uh the outside the office people as the main focus um it really changes everything doesn't it
1: Yeah, I think focusing on your terminology is really important, something we've recently changed. Uh, The workplace team uh, last year was formerly known as the office team. Um, And we still believed, whether it was your home office or a cafe or a co-working location or your um, office like San Francisco, um, that that was an acceptable definition. But what we were learning was a lot of the remote people didn't feel like that definition included them or that the office team was supporting them because they thought literal office, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We signed a lease, we built out a space. Um, that's not their home office. So we wanted to change that and shift the mentality um, that the workplace team was for everybody. Um, we also wanted to ship away from remote workers. Um, I like using the term distributed workforce mm-hmm. simply because they get that us versus them mentality, right? right remote right. is over here. Office is over here. Um, so I think distributed is we're part of a larger global company. Yeah think that helps remove that barrier for many people yeah yeah it sounds like
0: you've done a lot of thinking about um asynchronous versus synchronous communication do you want to talk about sort of the roles that those things play and and how they interact and maybe we should define them a little bit for for listeners as well
1: yeah so um i guess synchronous communication is something that i mean happens real time um I think if you talk to a lot of people who design offices, offices are being designed around that. Absolutely. They want they want collisions to happen. They want you and many people get up and away from their desks during the day. So you'll have For instance, in San Francisco, we have a cafe downstairs that people can grab coffee and maybe in their line, they chat with one another and have a discussion that they normally wouldn't sitting with their team. Um, Or, you know, you have a common area in the kitchen and there's all these different opportunities. But if you don't work in that space, you're not going to have that interaction. Mm -hmm. You're not going to talk with Jim and say, hey, Jim, how was your day? Um, And get to know them that way. So you have to be be much more intentional and I think that's where asynchronous communication comes in where you have communication whether it's written or recorded somewhere um, that allows people to um, ingest and then interpret um, and communicate that information um, and then everyone can move forward as a team. So. There's a lot of different ways to do that. Um, With GitHub, we use our our tool, um, repos and issues, um, to have policy discussions, um, Mm -hmm. to uh, iterate on procedures uh, left and right. You know, our legal team uses it. Um, our HR team uses it. It's not just our developers. Um, and, but it gets everybody comfortable with the tool and understanding our product really well. So it works on, on multiple levels for us. And that way you can also go back. We can go back several years and see what we were talking about and see if we're stuck in the same feedback loop <laughs> or if we need to change things.
0: So uh, synchronous communication is sort of better for more serendipitous kind of happenstance uh, mm-hmm. Brainstorming, ide- ideating, and and stuff like that. How do, yep. how do you accommodate that type of thinking and discussions in in a company that's more focused towards asynchronous communication?
1: So I personally believe that we, as a culture, we as a human race, um, have not evolved past face to face communication. Sure, um, absolutely. I, you can see it in everything we do, even in emojis, for instance, right? Emojis help us interpret um, writing when we don't have uh, face or social cues um, to interpret what someone else has said. Um, so, for instance, I really like your shirt. Smiley face is a little different than I really like your shirt. I roll, right? Like, right. um, so, so we've, we've created tools to allow us to interact that way. Um, the same is true for synchronous communication. Uh, GitHub, like I mentioned before, has, uh, you know, we zoom for all our video conferencing. Um, but we also believe in a lot of travel for our, our employees, both ways for people who work out of offices and for our, um, distributed population. um, We have mini-summits several times a year, so teams have individual meetups so that they can have those serendipitous communications. Uh, We have a policy that invites hubbers to come to San Francisco four times a year. Um, We also have conference um, stipends so uh, Mm -hmm. hubbers can go talk to other people in their community um, who are passionate about what they're doing. Um, So there's lots of interactions happening. We also have working um, budget so uh, hubbers who don't want to work at home sorry that's what we call our employees we call them hubbers we have hubs <laughs> and hubbers and <laughs> uh, all those things but um, we want to encourage as much interaction and we want to encourage as much um, collaboration building and face-to-face time as we can get. Um, another way to do that is virtually, right? Uh, our um, support team, uh, like I mentioned, is distributed throughout the world. They have, I believe, a weekly Google Hangouts happy hour where they just all can hop on if they want. Uh, they hold it at different times for people who are in different time zones, and they just get to chat, right? There's no topic. It's not an official meeting. It's just a time for them to be, you know, hey, how's it going? How's your week going, Right. Um, so you don't have to physically be in the same space but getting getting that uh that time to chat with someone a time to interact with someone either in person or virtually is is really important there's there's no substitute for it right now that we know of
0: yeah yeah so uh these mini summit meetups that happen Mm -hmm. like what what happens there is it Focused on work, or um, I mean, I, I, it's been my experience that there's a role that just kind of hanging out plays in terms of team building and stuff. But that can also go too far the other direction, like oh, we just get together and drink. But like, <laughs> what, what 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 balance does that have at, at GitHub?
1: Um, so our mini summits are generally, and I hope, a little more structured than just drinking. Um, <laughs> I, yeah. I understand the role
0: it plays. I mean, it, culturally, you know, people need to yeah. get together and bond, but it it's, it's still work. <laughs> it's still for
1: work. <laughs> it's still work. Um, and I think... I think we've um, ensured that some of it is work um, by most teams after they have a mini-summit do a write-up about what they learned, about what they focused on, about what their goals are. Um, So we know that they are meeting and brainstorming and talking about um, ideas on a strategic level and on an operational level. But we also encourage them to do um, volunteer work when they get together and also to have a team-building activity. You know, It doesn't have to be trust falls, um, (laughs) but... we do encourage them to hang out and yeah. um, to have dinner together. Um, you know, to, I think we've had people go kayaking. We've had people, you know, I think there was a safari up, you know, at a zoo somewhere. There's all been all kinds of fun things that people have done together. Um, I think somebody went falconry flying. Like I know, learn how to fly oh, falcons. Yes. I think that's pretty awesome. Right. <laughs> I would love to do that as a team. um, but yeah, so so we do encourage them to do a little bit of everything, a little bit of community work, a little bit of team bonding, and a little bit of brainstorming. And I think that's a good balance for people to come together. Um, and generally, sometimes that happens over a day or two. Sometimes that's a full week. So we really leave it, leave it up to our team and our team leads to, to decide what's best for them.
0: Yeah. One thing um, that I've observed uh, mm-hmm. about growing companies is that culture tends to sort of fall apart. Not not just culture, but connectedness, right? As a company becomes larger and larger, uh, new people just feel less connected. But I felt like a distributed company has an advantage in that its communication is more... Uh, Oh, I need to come up with a better word, but syndicatable. Like, like it's it it can be shared. You know, the way that you're sharing with with one person, uh, especially in an asynchronous way, could be shared with everyone in that same same way. You know, that that everyone can go and read the same articles or or whatever. As as GitHub has has scaled up to six hundred people, how how are you pe- keeping people connected with? you know, the mission and values and sort of generally tapped into what's going on with the company?
1: Yeah. Uh, well, I think the first thing we did about a year ago was hire a director of internal comms. Uh Um, I think recognizing that that is a hugely important part of, of being a distributed company. Um, I think, as time goes on, you amass uh, a ton of information. Um, so distilling it down, uh, using an internal wiki for, uh, your basic day-to-day operations. Uh, we developed an internal handbook, um, mm-hmm. to help us, uh, touch on, you know, our values and our culture. Um, we've also iterated, um, numerous points. Um, we used to have an internal, uh, Chat um, and now we use Slack and then we integrated it with a GitHub so that when people, you know, have pull requests, open a new issue, it comes up um, in the Slack feeds and different teams have different um, have different ways to that they're using it. Um, I think also allowing for autonomy and flexibility in the way people communicate um, is, is pretty important. So we have lots of different avenues um, but we have a couple like our TLDR newsletter that comes out every week um, that really gives the highlights of what's going on in the company um, which is great. So even if you don't read 500 different Slack channels <laughs> um, or you know the, <laughs> I'm sure at this point hundreds of different uh, repositories uh, just for GitHub just for a company alone you can still know the most important things still feel connected so I think that's that's the important part letting teams operate on their own um, and figure out what is the best way for them to communicate both with their teams and outside their teams so they don't get siloed but then also having those touch points so that when you need to communicate the most important stuff people know where that information is
0: hmm. Have you developed uh, like a philosophy or strategy around time zones uh you know people do do people from australia work with people in new york and you know like how how are you handling uh this again i mean this kind of goes back to that balance of synchronous and asynchronous communication but i'm sort of curious with 600 people this comes up all the time i'm sure
1: yep um, so again, we like to break it back down by department. Um, our engineering team for instance, right now is um, identifying which teams can operate um, async um, and which need to be synchronous. Um, and then defining projects around that. That way they can have teams that are spread out around the globe and then they identify which teams um, need to be within three time zones of each other. And then they can build those teams that way. Um, Our support team, uh, on the other hand, is more regional. Um, So they have touch points by time zones. um, So APAC, EMEA, etc. And that's effective for them. Um, there's, I don't think, one right answer for, for time zone <laughs> distribution. Um, but I think you if, if that's the course that a company takes, they have to own it. Um, and I think they have to be willing to make some concessions. Um, and uh, there's definitely different ways you can deal with it. Um, So I think a good example of that is our uh, human resources team. Uh, They're awesome. Um, They're working currently right now on rolling out new training sessions and they'll be going to EMEA to host those training sessions um, instead of just recording them in San Francisco and allowing people or encouraging people to watch them when it suits them, um, but going out and interacting with people on their time zone. So it has to be a two-way street um, communication with people throughout the globe. Hmm.
0: I, related to that, I guess, you know, there's sort of breaking people up by time zone and and the different roles that can work more asynchronously. Is there, is there, are there certain roles that need to be in the office? Uh, you know, your, your uh, what are you calling them? Workspaces? Work <laughs> uh, yes. The, the, what, what I would think of as, as an office, the, the physical spaces. Who, who are the people that, you know, are there people that work there like full-time or is it mostly people cycling through? And, and if it is full-time people, who are those people?
1: Uh, well, I think your front desk coordinator and your office manager generally <laughs> need to be um, uh, available. But other than that, I don't think there there is any role by definition that needs to be um, uh, based in any one space. Um, I think some teams like finance um, generally lead themselves uh, or lend themselves to being uh, in an office space together um, simply because g and functions don't... When you think of a distributed company, you don't generally think of your HR team as being distributed right. or your finance team as being distributed. You really think of support, engineering, and sales. So I think um, those... Departments tend to group and tend to establish themselves in an office and then become distributed, whereas other teams are distributed first. Um, and so I think that's naturally happened, but I don't think there's, there's nothing that required. Like, if we shut down San Francisco next week, we're not doing that. I don't want any of my employees <laughs> listening, thinking that's what we're going to do. But if we did, uh, we could operate, I think, just as effectively.
0: Is it because you're saying that people uh, in those financial roles or HR mm-hmm. roles, they aren't looking for, they aren't thinking that rem- remote jobs would exist for them. And so, they're not looking for those. They're kind of looking more for geolocated jobs. And and so, it's sort of a almost a bottom-up, self-fulfilling prophecy of like, <laughs> I, you know, I'm a cpa and i expect that i will work locally uh and and so they sort of start out that way and then and then it's up to you to educate them that they could conceivably and how they would conceivably work distributed is that is that what you're saying
1: yeah i think that's exactly it i mean i started working as an office manager many years ago uh, for a small startup and i was required to come into the office every day and and that's how i've learned and, and adapted um you know if I was forced to work at home I'd have to learn how to a whole new skill set so working in the office coming in the office is just second nature to me Um, whereas engineers support again sales have often had much more flexibility and I've learned to be distributed Um, and those those roles I guess, are much more readily available to them. Um, I think the other thing about starting off as a co-located team is somebody has to be the first person, the pain point and leave um, that location um, for you to kind of start thinking as a distributed team. Right. Um, so oftentimes it is a self-fulfilling process- prophecy that if you're in GNA, you're generally going to be co-located.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So
1: um what's
0: on- onboarding is is a thing I want to talk about. Uh, mm-hmm. so you have both people who have not thought of themselves as uh distributed workers and people who have uh or people who could imagine. I mean, you know, sort of every programmer developer type Mm -hmm. sort of thinks that that would be great (laughs) but but then there's that first moment where they actually get that job Mm -hmm. and you know and they come in again i'm making air quotes they come into work meaning they sit at their desk in their guest bedroom um Mm -hmm. and and have that first day where they feel like what what am i doing am i do i have a job what what is this how do how do you handle on that sort of onboarding kind of stuff for for github people like what, you know how do you get people kind of up and running whether they've had experience or have not had experience as a as a distributed worker
1: Um, Well, first, we start by bringing everybody in together. Um, We do bi-monthly onboarding sessions. So they come in, uh, I believe it's for two weeks. The first week, uh, getting the basics set up, their laptop, uh, we even have a lecture on, um, you know, a day in the life of a remote hubber. So ah. whether you are working remotely or you're working with someone who's remote and you're co-located, you understand. You get, you know, a chance to empathize. So you, um, so
0: you actually fly people in and mm-hmm. and they come into the office for, what did you say, two weeks? Yep. They get face
1: to face time. Uh, They get to talk to HR. They get to talk, you know, with their team. Um, The executive team does uh, talks about our values and our business and answers questions. Um, And they get to hang out together. That way, they know other people who are in the same situation. Right? They're all new beginners. And then we send them back out into the world um, with managers and buddies and um, hopefully give them the support uh, that they need. Um, And we're still iterating on this process. We're learning all the time. We're trying to figure out, you know, buddy system should be 30 days, should be 90 days. You know, how much support do they need? I know the support team we have has like a 12-week checklist um, where people go through week one, you're going to do this, and week two, you're going to do this, and this is going to help you understand. So by week 12, you feel fully onboarded. Right. Um, we also have uh, a remote Slack channel. Um, and a remote repository uh, in GitHub that allows um, all our hubbers who are distributed who are not in an office to interact with each other. Um, and we have really cool issues. One of my favorite in the remote repository is everybody is taking pictures of their home office. Love it. And sharing their favorite desk, sharing their favorite chair, you know, where they situated themselves, some of their best practices, like brushing their teeth or putting on pants or, you know, <laughs> whatever it is to enforce a routine Yeah. Um, and sharing what is working with them and what isn't working for them. Um, so there's really a community uh, built around that. We also have so many awesome hubbers who have written so many great articles and given presentations um, at conferences about what it has been like for them to be remote um so educating each other um both internal employees and externally has been great um so so hopefully the expectations and reality match up but when they don't uh, match up we often have a support system in place um to help people out who, who we know you know may not <laughs> this may be their first time um being a remote worker i love that
0: yeah because it's both sort of a uh... Support system. Everyone's sort of sharing uh, what's going on with them, with you know, and and taking pride in cleaning up their office to take their home office to take a picture, but also sharing and and sort of educating other people because yeah, that sort of peripheral communication kind of thing doesn't happen. Uh, yeah. you, you're not looking over and saying, "Oh, look, you've got a standing desk. I I never really thought about that," or um, you know, all all those things. I I was. Um, I, I think I may have said in this podcast before, um, years ago, in the early 90s, I worked at O'Reilly Media uh, in their design department, and I remember all of the, like, Mac keyboard shortcuts that I learned, uh, just, like, looking over the shoulder of the person working next to me. It's, oh, I didn't know that was a thing, you know, and and just trying to uh, proactively figure out how to replicate that kind of stuff in a, in a distributed environment, you know, where, where it becomes more proactive kind of show and tell kinds of things where people are sharing their shortcuts, their, their tricks. Um, Do you feel like that there are uh, sort of GitHub tricks that have been developed over time? Like just sort of ways that communication happens or, um,
1: um I guess it's hard because I haven't worked at another company yeah. um that has such um a focus and places such an importance on remote work. Yeah um, so I don't really have I don't have a control to compare <laughs> to GitHub
0: again. Have there been um, have there in in that case have there been things that have surprised you?
1: Oh well, there's always things <laughs> that surprise me at GitHub. Um You know, I'm amazed at how passionate um, and how involved our our community is, you know, um, dispersed by geography all over the globe. um, And yet we still have this amazing culture that is so passionate about both our products and about distributed workforce. Yeah, um, that's that says to me we're doing something right. At our core, at our values, we're doing something right. Um, and this is something we, we all believe in. Um, I think that's what GitHub does best. Now we can talk about iterating all kinds of policies and procedures to, to, to make that better experience <laughs> yep. better. But when you have that core belief um, and it's from the bottom up and the top down, um, I, I think you're in, in the right direction. Yeah. <laughs> I find that a
0: lot of that comes from autonomy, treating adults like adults, treating responsible people oh, like yeah. responsible people, uh, that um, it's a thing that's required. Uh, there's no way to micromanage people that are not working near you. <laughs> and uh, uh, and so it's required, but at the same time, um, I think people in co-located companies are oftentimes afraid of giving that level of autonomy. But conversely, when you're able to do it, um, it's got an incredible, it, to even call it morale kind mm-hmm. of degrades the the value of it. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, it's, it's just trust and respect. And I think mm-hmm. uh, people really appreciate that.
1: So I think this goes back to uh, designing for everybody, um, when you give flexibility and autonomy to one group of people and not the other, um, so for instance, you're remote workers, but you require your co-located workers to show up to the office every day, it can cause issues. Yeah. Um, so I think giving everybody that respect um, and that authority to to make their own decisions um, is fantastic. Um, you know, we have people who work in the Bay Area, um, but maybe you're two or three hours away from San Francisco office. So come in one day a week mm-hmm. we have people who are here five days a week and that's flexibility for them uh for people who work at home whose situation may have changed maybe they move they move with roommates who are noisy maybe they had a new <laughs> baby um and they or maybe they just want to chat with people more often and they want to set up co-working location we encourage them to do that um, and to get out there um, we i've never worked for a company that is so valued uh that level of flexibility and autonomy for its employees and i think it's also allowed us to hire um to continue to hire a diverse workforce um we recognize there are numerous styles of work um there are numerous environments which people do their best work Mm -hmm. and we want to Merge it across the board um, so when we design our offices we design for quiet space for loud space for community space uh, all those kind of good things um, but we also ensure that our our distributed uh, workers have that to travel when they need to to get the their office set up as they want to um, across the board I think that's another key uh, part of of being a distributed workforce
0: yeah, and and sort of allowing different types of interaction. Some people kind of prefer um a, a you know, prefer to talk to people on the phone. Some people for, prefer to write things down. Um mm-hmm. are are you uh, sort of accommodating things on that level as well? Uh, like um I don't even know exactly how I'm asking this. <laughs> <laughs> I the thing that I've found is that yeah. uh you know, running a distributed company, um, I find that I need to make sure that we're communicating on all the levels because uh, Mm -hmm. there's not that sort of primal, uh, we all sat in a circle and I grunted, so now you know what's going on kind of thing. Uh, Instead, I need to, you know, we have... Phone calls, and I say things there, and we have a blog, and I put things there, and and mm-hmm. and you know, it's a matter of kind of covering a little bit over communicating, uh, um, which is just good practice, anyways. The, yep. uh, the <laughs> thing they always say about management is, you know, you need to reiterate and reiterate. Don't expect that anybody heard it the first time you said it, um, and uh, yeah, <laughs> I don't know where I'm going with that. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I, mean, I firmly believe in over-communication. Uh, you communicate something once, it's like a game of telephone. It'll come back to you and you'll be like, that's not what I said at all. Right. So um, in every form possible. I mean, it's why we have Slack. It's why we have we use GitHub. It's why we have email, video conferencing. We have our own station for all our recorded all-hands talks. Um we want to be able to reach as many people as possible and there's so many different communication styles, That trying to, to focus those, you definitely want to focus those and pare down to a few channels that you can ensure that people get the information they need. Um, boundaries are always good parameters, um, but not being too stiff and rigid with it, I think is the way to go. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It, It can be overwhelming, uh, you know, for new people to kind of keep track of all the different, places that the information is coming from and and figure that out. Um, I've always found that that's sort of part of the onboarding process is just <laughs> allowing people to kind of like adjust to the cacophony is like, okay, eventually you're going to figure out where and how you communicate best. But uh, so um, talk to me about sort of what your, the kind of stuff that you're, thinking about on a, on a daily basis, like, uh, um, because this is sort of where we started, but, Mm -hmm. but, uh, you are kind of bridging that gap between, Mm -hmm. um, what is traditionally thought of as an office and what is traditionally thought of as telecommuters. I don't know what you want to call them people that work Mm -hmm. at home. Um, and, and how, how how do you, you Um, what do you, what do you struggle with, with that? Um or or what have you what how have you solved things with that?
1: Well, I think the easiest place that I always like to start is physical location. Um, in an office, we have people who come in every day, and we have people who come in once a year. Um, how do you ensure that everybody feels welcome in that space? Um, So we use hoteling software so that people can uh, book desks near their teams as they come in. Where do we put those hoteling desks so that they're most effective? Um, How do people know where other people sit or which conference rooms to go to? Um, How do they know which hotels are best nearby? All these kinds of little logistic things that... our our visitors and our our employees should think about um and then how do i make people most productive and as successful as i can in the physical space um, while they're at their desks or in the office Um, that also goes for our our remote workers Um, we give a stipend to help our remote workers set up their home office and i've been chatting with a lot of people lately for example, Um, and they've been telling me, you know, it's oftentimes difficult to figure out which which desk is the best or if I'm in Australia, I only have recommendations Mm -hmm. for... Desks that are available in the US. So now we're looking um, into third party vendors um, that would allow us to, our hovers, to essentially click and choose and have it delivered to them without too much thought. If they want something outside of that, of course, there are always exceptions to the rule. We can make adjustments that way. So I always start with physical space. How can I get people up and running as quickly as possible? Um, from there, it's um, how do we get people to interact with each other? Um, because that's another important part of work, um, is that social and cultural um, and learning aspect. Um, so how do I get people to visit each other? Um, how can we make travel easier? Um, how can we get people to volunteer more? All these good, good uh, things that... Um, to focus on <laughs> losing my train of thought. There's so many things on my day to day operations. It's yeah. so revolving sometimes. Um,
0: it's pretty it's pretty wide open. I mean, it's just sort of you're Im- improving stuff. <laughs> I'm improving <laughs> so, stuff. You know, yeah, it's kind of uh, this sort of um, concierge for the employees. Uh yeah. Yep.
1: Well, and on top of that, I'm not sure, and correct me if I'm wrong, that there is another company of less than a thousand people that are in 17 different countries so there's cultural and geographical divisions there's you know time zone challenges there's so many interesting uh, opportunities to innovate uh, within the remote space um, and to learn uh, what our best practices are and then to figure out where our challenges are and to, to do better um, and to do that now before we get to 5,000, right, 10,000 people, and those, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> those challenges get infinitely or exponentially bigger, so.
0: I guess one of the sort of general questions I'm trying to answer around this whole question of remote work is, is it for everyone? Uh, and, you know, can it accommodate everyone? And then, you know... Can you have remote <laughs> uh, janitors and 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 car repairmen? You mm-hmm. know, probably not really. But um, but it's interesting to sort of think about where where that line is, uh, and then also you know, sort of personality wise, um, we've had a few people on the podcast saying, "Oh well, you know, remote work is really for introverts," and I don't really agree with that wholly, uh, but. I but I think that that some people who are particularly extroverted might feel a little bit alienated, and then that some people who are particularly in, in, introverted might have a hard time, um, you know, communicating well enough uh, in a remote environment to stay connected. Um, well, I think there are
1: two questions there, right? Or two ways of looking at it. One is the macro level, right? Like, could all work be remote work? Is that the future of the workplace? Um, I'm an idealist, so I would like to say yes. <laughs> um, I would like to believe that the global economy is for everybody and yeah. that you don't have to live in San Francisco. A
0: car um, repairman in a VR helmet, operating a robot from a distance. <laughs> I not?
1: Love it. Why not? Yeah, I, sure. Uh, you know, sure, um, yeah. amazing brain surgeon doing yeah. surgery from thousands of miles away, yeah. you know, using a VR headset and, you know, a robot. I think that would be awesome. Maybe a little weird, considering where I, you know where we are now with technology. But why not? Um, you know, Uber is talking about self-driving cars, and we've got you know Facebook focused on VR, Oculus. The future is now. I love it. Um, but I mean, honestly, I do believe that we we need to have a distributed workforce, and we need to embrace that more fully. I think there there are so many communities and cities. Um, that have talent Uh, companies should be tapping those markets Um, and there's so much cost associated with opening an office and opening office in San Francisco especially um, that uh, operationally and cost-wise it often bars people from entering different markets but if you can train and manage and support a distributed workforce, you can be everywhere. You can be anywhere, um, and you can have so much amazing talent that I, that on the macro level, I, I firmly, firmly believe in it. Yeah. Um, on a micro level, um, again, and there's, I haven't seen any studies that said that, you know, having a distributed workforce, having a remote culture has, you know, Put companies under, right? (laughs) Um, everybody everybody I talked to, all the reports I've read that said diversity is important and diversity geographically is part of that. Sure. Um so hiring a diverse workforce, you know, it's gonna make you a better company. You're gonna have a diverse range of ideas. Um, yeah, there are cultural clashes, there are communication challenges, um, but if you can overcome those, if you can face them head on, you're gonna benefit a lot. So I am I have drank the Kool-Aid. Um, I am on board uh, with distributed workforces on on every level, essentially.
0: Well, let's just end it there. I, I think we'll end on a high note. That's that's great. I I agree.
1: Okay. <laughs> And we're in agreement.
0: The the wonderful echo chamber that is the yonder pile. Po- i have to get some <laughs> someone who's totally anti on on to uh, um, balance this all this uh positivity. Out.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I would listen to that. I would love to hear counter arguments. I would yeah. love that would be great.
0: I don't know. Yeah. I mean you know, part of this is is you know, in the past 11 years with Lullabot, it's just felt like such a magical kind of good thing uh, that, you know, and part of the reason for starting Yonder was to kind of check in with other people and see if other people were having good experiences and ultimately to kind of try to to share this information out so that, um, you know, perhaps the world can sort of learn from the stuff that we've learned. So,
1: um Yeah. So here we are. Yeah, and I'm sure there are individuals who wouldn't, you know, aren't in love with the idea of working remotely. Yeah. yeah. I, don't, I don't want to be like, no offices ever for anyone ever again. <laughs> yeah. Um, I- Again, I think it goes back to that autonomy and flexibility and, you know, having a, a wide array of options for people yeah. um, to, do the, to do their best work, right? Like, that's what it comes down to. Yep. And I think there's some people that's in an office and some people that's in their home office and some people that's in their local cafe. And that's all great. Yeah. Great. Well, Laura,
0: thank you so much for uh, coming on the podcast. This was really great to hear all these things from your perspective and... Um, all the stuff that you and everyone have, at, at GitHub have done to, to build it up over the years. I think when um, Brian uh, Dahl came to the first Yonder event in 2014, I think it was, 2013, 2014, I think GitHub was probably half the size that it is now, if not smaller. Um, so it sounds like you guys are really doing great things.
1: We're excited and thank you for having me. Yeah. All right. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye.